Welcome to the CoinGecko Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Young. Each week, we'll be interviewing someone from the blockchain industry to learn more about this fast-moving cryptocurrency economy. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The CoinGecko Podcast is produced each week to help you stay ahead of the curve. Show notes can be found at podcast.coingecko.com. I highly encourage you to join our newsletter where we send out top news in the crypto industry every Monday to Friday. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter and Telegram at CoinGecko. This podcast is provided as part of the overall information on cryptocurrency contained on our website, is for your general information only, and does not, howsoever, constitute any endorsement, financial or investment advice, nor any solicitation or offer of securities or other financial instruments. CoinGecko and the podcast presenter makes no warranties, implied or express, of any kind in relation to this podcast, including, without limitation, the accuracy and updatedness of its content. All opinions and recommendations therein the podcast are based on the personal opinion of the presenter. Please conduct your own research and procure professional advice should you, at your own risk, decide to howsoever invest or trade in relation to the content contained in the podcast. Hi, everyone. Today we have Alexander Zydelson, CEO of Beam Wimbo Wimbo, a leading privacy coin based on the Wimbo Wimbo protocol. And we also have Alex Romanov, CTO of Beam, on the call today. So welcome, Alexander and Alex. Thanks, Bobby. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, so I guess maybe you want to introduce yourself so we know who is Alexander and who is Alex from the call. So I'm Alexander, uh, I'm CEO of Beam. And I'm Alex, the CTO, yeah. So very happy to have both of you on, on the call today. I guess uh, just for an introduction, for the benefit of our listeners, maybe can you explain to us a little bit about what is Beam and the Mimbo Wimbo protocol and why is it important? Okay, so I'll start. Beam is a next generation confidential coin based on the Mimblewimble protocol. And I call it next generation because the privacy coins or private blockchain released before were all based on the Bitcoin architecture, meaning they inherited the basic Bitcoin architecture and then added a lot of technology on top of it in order to hide the transaction graph. So Mimblewimble actually was built from the ground up with two goals in mind, one being privacy and the other one being good scalability, or in other words, small blockchain. So Beam actually implemented Mimblewimble to create a coin which is confidential on the one hand, but also doesn't suffer from blockchain bloating leading to poor scalability that we can observe in prior privacy-oriented projects. So essential Beam is all about privacy, but it's also about usability and about coin that can really fulfill the dream of replacing money in the long run. That, that sounds very interesting. And I mean, I guess you guys are on the way on this mission to, to do that. Talking about the Mimbo Wimbo protocol. So there were two coins, two main coins that tried to implement this pretty much at the start of 2019. Uh, one of them is Beam. And the other one that you guys often get compared to was Green. So... Do you want to perhaps walk us through a little bit about some of the fundamental differences between Beam and Green? Yeah, sure. So uh, I guess I'll talk about some of them and Alex will touch upon the more, more in technology. So indeed, there are two main projects in the space, Green and Beam. Green started a little bit earlier and Beam uh, started in early 2018. And there are a lot of differences. So one is probably governance. 
Grin is a fully volunteer-based effort, fully decentralized with a group of developers that assembled itself. While Veeam started off as a company with venture capital funding and with a professional team working on the project 24-7. As the results, and you know, we've shown it in, in the past uh, year uh, or so, the speed of delivery of Beam and also the, the usability of our project is way, way higher than that grid. And that's just because we can afford to run a professional team with very clear goals, with a clear set of deliverables, and with a clear vision and clear management. Now, that said, we know that in the crypto space, and especially in privacy coins, it's much more desirable in in some sense, to have a decentralized governance, just because a decentralized system is more resilient, right? So at Beam, if you have a company, it can be pressured by the government or can be attacked in all kinds of ways. And that's why we're actually, after this initial period of uh, about a year and a half of development, we're now moving the government, the governance to a more decentralized form. And we have already announced Beam Foundation last month. So we're now moving to a more decentralized governance where we have a foundation that does not have like a CEO. It just has an independent board. Right now, there are four members. There will be more. And the goal of the foundation is actually to eventually move to a fully decentralized community-based project and, and get closer to projects like Green or Monero Bitcoin in terms of governance. So, so this is one fundamental difference. And as I said, we are, in the long run, we'll get to the same governance model, a similar governance model to what Green has. Now, another important difference is the emission curve. Green was designed as an inflationary coin, meaning their emission is constant forever, 60 coins per minute, forever and ever. While Beam follows the more classic Bitcoin Bitcoin style emission curve, where we start with uh, emission of 100 coins per block. And then, by the way, there is halving coming coming up very soon in the beginning of January, January 4th, there will be a halving. So the block reward will go down to 50. And then after four more years, it will go to 25 and so on and so forth. The initial schedule will, the emission will actually finish after 133 years. That's another very important difference. Alex, maybe you want to take, uh, take it up and continue with technology and maybe other stuff. Yeah. Sure. So from a technological perspective, uh, these are also very different projects. So basically, the Mimblewimble protocol is the only common part between the projects, but all the rest of the pieces are completely different, starting from the implementation language, the architecture behind many decisions. For example, in Mimblewimble, in order to create a transaction, both wallets have to participate actively. And uh, this interactivity is very different from uh, how most of the other cryptocurrencies work today in namely Bitcoin or all the others, you can just create a transaction and send it to the network. Not so in Mimblewimble. In Mimblewimble, you need cooperation of both wallets for that purpose. And for that, for example, we have created a separate system called SBBS, a secure bulletin board system, which allows the wallets to communicate in an encrypted and safe fashion and create a transaction. This is just one example of different architectural decisions that we had. Along the way, in addition of us implementing everything ourselves from, from scratch, as Alexander mentioned, we have also made a lot of uh, interesting improvements and additions and extensions to the basic Mimblewimble protocol. And in fact, there is much more today than meets the eye if you just 
download our wallet today and you see uh, most of the basic stuff. And we have recently also added Atomic Swaps, which is, I believe, one of the more interesting features and a major breakthrough in terms of being able to trade coins in a completely decentralized way. Today, in Atomic Swaps, we support Litecoin, Bitcoin, and Quantum Coins. But in addition to that, there are a lot of features and interesting developments that we did that are not in production yet and can only be seen and tested in our more like development uh, uh, versions, such as, for example, the laser beam, which is our version of the Lightning Network. It allows to create direct channels between two wallets and have instant payments with zero confirmation time, which is very interesting and the uh, development and extension of the Mimbalu protocol and of course the confidential assets which I believe we will talk more about later mm -hmm. and yet another extension that allows basically to create new types of tokens on Beam or similar to uh, the way you can create ERC20 tokens on Ethereum but inheriting all the good properties of Beam such as confidentiality and scalability. These are just like a couple of examples and we have uh, a lot more. We have improved for example the Dandelion protocol which is used to obfuscate the IP addresses behind the transactions being sent, and we have added decoy inputs and outputs to make these type of attacks or detection even harder than it is. And there are yet a lot, a lot more features that we're currently working on in this space. That sounds like a lot of things, and I'm hearing some of these things for the first time ever, such as the token. I didn't know that you guys are working on the token plan on Beam. So I'll ask a little bit more questions about your governance structure later on. But before that, uh, maybe, maybe they say like, let's get to this question like in crypto they say that we operate in dog years where one year feels like seven years and i find it hard to believe that beam only really started its genesis block at the start of this year on 3rd of january this year it's now december is approximately one year from your launch uh perhaps you might want to i mean you probably have already said some of these things i was going to ask like some of maybe you want to explain some of the things that beam has achieved this year and what are, what are some of the roadmap that you guys have planned for 2020 and beyond so in my view, Beam has really achieved a lot, both on the delivery level. We shipped tens of different software releases. We have developed really beautiful and usable wallets on all the major computing platforms, Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, and Android, so people can use our Beam wallet on any platform they like. But maybe even more importantly, we gained a lot of mind share and a lot of respect in the community. And we gained that by both delivering great software and standing by our promises and also by behaving in a very professional and ethical and honest manner, which sounds like a regular thing to do, especially for people coming from other industries like, like myself. But in crypto, we know that there are a lot of projects that talk a lot and have very little actual substance. So in our case, we're all about substance, all about engineering, all about delivery and being honest. So I think this is a very important achievement. You know, in, in terms of adoption, we Beam is traded on tens of different exchanges, including Binance. So it's very easy today for anyone to get into the confidential ecosystem by acquiring Beam. Beam is accepted by over 100 of different online retail outlets, and we're working to get more. Beam has created a very active, organic community of over 50,000 people over across different platforms, and we have a lot of interactions with the community. And also, I think 
the transition to the new governance form that we have announced in the beginning, and some people were skeptical about it, the fact that we are doing it is also another proof that this team is standing by what it promises and, and really delivers. And what about like some of the plans in the coming years, for example? What, are, what, what would be your one biggest thing that you would like to achieve in 2020, for example? So the 2020 will be a year building on the first layer, building on the beam blockchain of building steps towards confidential, a confidential DeFi ecosystem. And this includes an ability to bring tokens from other platforms, as Alex mentioned, and, and, and he will elaborate on that a little bit more. We are working on creating bridges that will allow people to take any ERC-20 token from Ethereum and create its representation on Beam and trade it confidentially. And then the next step is creating smart contract functionality that will allow real DeFi applications to be possible on Beam. And this, again, is in the same vein of bringing back the privacy because today there is a lot of buzz and a lot of things happening in DeFi, but all of the DeFi projects are, or, or like 95% of them are based on Ethereum and there's no privacy there at all. So whatever you do today in DeFi, you take out a loan, you create derivatives. It's all like plain in the open. Anybody can see what you're doing, which again is nice for small scale things, but if you think of it in a bigger scheme of things, it, it's, it's, it cannot really work. You cannot have all your finances exposed to anyone. So Beam is actually taking steps and will develop this confidential ecosystem that people will be able to use in privacy. Yeah, I think what you mentioned is really true. I mean, I, I, I play around with DeFi on Ethereum and it's quite scary thinking how that if you have one address that you know that is owned by me and you can shortly soon after see every other DeFi applications or things that I've done on the Ethereum ecosystem. And it's very trivial because it's account-based. I mean, if it's on Bitcoin, it's yeah. UTXO, which is still quite clear with chain analysis, but you can still remove all the privacy, but on Ethereum, it's just really trivial to see all the history on just one account. Just go to Etherscan and you can see everything. So I know Ethereum recently made a Istanbul hard fork where there was interoperability with Zcash. And you mentioned that you plan to have Beam tokens, you know, Ethereum tokens tradable on Beam and to have privacy for Ethereum DeFi applications. Maybe you want to walk us a little bit through it on how you plan to achieve this and will it have anything to do with the Zcash interoperability or nothing to do at all with it? So the difference between adding zero knowledge type of math and the cryptography to Ethereum and building on top of Beam is that Beam is built as a confidential cryptocurrency and confidential blockchain uh, from, from the ground up. So the first layer of Beam, which was our point of you know, establishing and developing it in, in 2019, the, the goal that we have uh, achieved, it's easier to build confidential DeFi applications on top of the blockchain, which is already confidential on the first layer, in, in my opinion. So whatever the, the architectural decisions that will be built on top of Ethereum will still have to somehow circumvent all the basic problems that uh, Ethereum has in, in the privacy uh, domain. What we are going to do is basically try to very organically and naturally extend the Mimbo Wimbo protocol, which is a very elegant solution for, for this problem of confidentiality and scalability, towards building more sophisticated solutions that allow uh, much more logic and flexibility to be 
performed in, in, inside the DeFi application. So confidential assets is uh, the base, the basis for that. It's basically an ability to create new types of tokens, but these tokens have to come from somewhere. And of course, you can always create a new token, but we believe that the first logical step would be to allow confidential trading of existing tokens, let's say stable coins like DAI or any other token that is being traded today on Ethereum. And for that purpose, we're first we're building the bridges from Ethereum to BIM and uh, vice versa, of course, that allow locking the tokens on Ethereum and then uh, emitting uh, the appropriate amount of tokens on BIM and trading them confidentially within the BIM ecosystem. So this is going to be probably the first application of uh, confidential assets that we are going to present. We are building it right now as we speak. And then there will be more to do with these tokens uh, by adding additional mechanisms. Uh, BIM does not have today uh, smart contracts in, in, in the con conventional sense, but we do have something called script -to script which is basically ability to add cryptographic mechanisms on the first layer to be able to verify results of certain calculations. So basically most of the calculations are done off-chain and then the results are being processed on-chain and verified by the nodes. So this is the idea of how we're going to build things in uh, 2020. There are also a lot of um, additional privacy improvements that we're working on in this year, namely Lilantos, which is the protocol developed originally by Zcoin. And it turned out we, it plays really nice with our implementation of Mimblewimble. So we have basically created a version called Lilantos Mimblewimble, which is an extension for uh, our basic protocol that improves the confidentiality even further. And using these methods, we are also able to improve the confidential assets in a way that, for example, you don't even see on chain which asset type is traded, not only the amount or who is trading, but not even the, the type of the asset being traded. So everything looks exactly the same for the external observer, but uh, in fact, uh, we can support trading of many asset types at the same time. So th these are our key plans for 2020 to develop this platform and, uh, and make it as usable as the rest of our products. Of course, everything will be eventually integrated into all of our wallet ecosystem and play together nicely. It's very interesting that you brought up the Lantus protocol. There's actually my next question to you, and you sort of answered the question already. So based on my understanding, I read your Medium article, Medium blog post about Lantus. It seems that this was a privacy protocol that was developed by Aram Jiwanyan of Zcoin, and and I'm not so sure if Zcoins already implemented Lalantis, but it seems that you have already done that implementation. Yes. So uh, the paper was published, I believe, some uh, time last year, December, uh, November or December 2018. Mm -hmm. And uh, we found about it almost right after it was published. And we actually talked with Zcoin and Aram about it even before. So at some time, uh, uh, when we got, got around to it, uh, we implemented our version. It's not in the production yet, so it's just uh, in, in the development and testing stages as of right now. But we are hoping to make it available in the mainnet uh, by um, our next scheduled work, which probably will be sometime in March uh, 2020. So the idea of this protocol is to completely break the linkability of UTXOs, which is one of the, let's say, weaker points of Mimblewimble. So dedicated and the targeted active attacker can still try to somehow determine the links between the different UTXOs in the chain and reconstruct parts of the transaction graph. It's a very difficult, time-consuming uh, process, but uh, and it only gives the probabilistic results, but still it is possible to do that, even despite the dandelion and the addition of the decoys. So Lilantus, first of all, it solves this problem completely. It creates completely unlinkable UTXOs. That's the first very useful feature of Lilantus we're going to add this year 
The second one is the support of one-side payments, one-side transactions. As I mentioned earlier, Mimbo Wimbo is interactive, but this actually presents, in some use cases, presents uh, uh, more problems than it solves. So we do want to be able to create non-interactive transactions as well, and Zilantos gives us uh, this feature alongside the additional security and confidentiality. And also we're going to use the mess behind Lilantus to hide the different types of tokens, as I mentioned, being traded. So these are the three things we're going to use Lilantus for next year. Cool, cool. So I've got, I've got a question. So as I was doing research about Beam, I knew I read up about your emission schedule and Beam's emission is scheduled to, the block reward used to be 100 coins per block, which is one block per minute, and it will be half from years two to five. So somewhere around 4th January, as you mentioned, the block reward will be half. Everyone's really excited about Bitcoin's halving, but no one seemed to be talking about Beam when the halving is happening in, in January, which is at about a couple of weeks' time. I feel that people are excited about this. Have you heard much people talking about it? That's the first question. The second thing is, do you see any impact to this as your treasury's revenue will be pretty much reduced by a half? And lastly, like, do you think that there'll be a case in the future where they, that you guys need to do a hard fork to continue payment to the Beam Treasury in perpetuity, like how Zcash is sort of facing crisis with their Treasury? Okay, so let's start. So first of all, of course, our community is fully aware of the halving. And you are right that Beam is not that popular or as popular as as Bitcoin, but there are some public some publications about our halving recently. Bitcoin.com had a post on that, and some other people are picking it up. So in the coming weeks, we'll also be pushing this message outside of our community. So hopefully, more and more people will know about that. So we are working to spread the word, and again, people who are involved in in Beam or in privacy coins, they all obviously know that. Now, regarding your second question on the treasury funding. So we are actually managing our finances in a very responsible way. And several scenarios can happen and we're ready to all of them, I would say. So yes, the amount of funds that the foundation will be getting from the treasury will get halved, but the foundation is actually starting to deploy the funds just now. So we have all the first year in front of us. Also, we made quite a profitable forward sale in the beginning of the year. So we feel pretty confident that we can make and continue the development with the funds that we have. Of course, everything also depends on the market, but right now we're in good shape and we are prepared to all kinds of scenarios. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Are you guys worried about miners leaving Beam once the block rate halving, thereby reducing number security next year? Well, I think it depends a lot on the pricing, on the price of the coin. The security of the protocol is pretty good and the miners are coming and going. You know, at least to me, for a lot of miners, it's a very simple economic equation where they just decide price goes up, they decide to join, the price goes down, they leave the protocol. So I'm not really worried about that. Alex, maybe you have a comment on that one. Yeah, so I just wanted to say that we, we actually improved the efficiency of our mining protocol between the Beam Hash 1 and Beam Hash 2, uh, which was the point of most recent fork uh, that we that we did uh, this summer. And uh, the efficiency of the mining was improved by 25%, which was very nice, I think. 
and uh, we are also planning the fork in March. I'm not sure exactly what will be the parameters, so I will not speculate about it, but uh, there will be additional changes to the mining protocol in uh, probably in March this, uh, 2020. Okay. And uh, yeah, of course, uh, mining is always very competitive area, especially GPU mining that we have. And uh, yeah, everything could happen. I'm not, I wouldn't say uh, I'm really worried about it, but there, there, could, there always could be changes. And yeah, we, we're trying to get ready for all of them. And also to, to elaborate on the third question regarding the possible hard fork, it's not something we're planning right now. We don't think it's a really good practice to change the, rule, the, the rules of the game and kind of ask the community for more money. In my view, it, it's not a really good move. We'll see how it plays out for Zcash, but right now we plan to continue with what we have and not to ask for additional funds. Yeah, I completely agree. Once the rules are set in place, like it's really bad if you try to change the rules midway through, and especially changing the monetary supply. Uh, you always have consequences, and a lot of people will not be happy, and then you end up with forks or splits in the in the in the, in the ecosystem. Talking talking back about miner, like I've read somewhere that Beam does not hold an ASIC resistance policy. This seems to be quite different from other coins, other privacy coins such as Monero and Zcash. Why do you hold a view that it is? not important to be ASIC resistant, whereas the others think that it's important to be ASIC resistant. And carry on for there, uh, do you know if anyone's working on an ASIC for Beam ready? And when do you think you can expect an ASIC? So regarding the, product, uh, the, the mining protocol that we use, it's uh, very difficult to implement on ASIC as it is because it's very memory intensive. Mm -hmm. And in order to build ASIC for Beam, it requires quite a lot of investment in rather expensive hardware. And I'm not sure our market cap and price today actually justify that even if we were not ASIC resistant. Regarding the ASIC resistance policy, we have announced from the beginning that we're going to do two schedules for it. And after that, it's basically fair game and up to the foundation uh, board of directors to decide what's going uh, to be going forward. So we have already ex executed one such work. And the next one is coming in uh, sometime in the beginning of 2020. But after that, we do not have specific anti-ASIC plans or, you know, any specific uh, ideas about that. And uh, Bobby, just to uh, comment on, on Zcash. Zcash is not ASIC resistant. There are ASICs mining Equihash. It is true for Monero. Monero is changing their mining algorithm every six months, so uh, they, they they don't kind of do allow ASICs. Our plan from the beginning was to execute, as Alex mentioned, two two hard forks, mm -hmm. and then and the idea was to to get the protocol off the ground, to get it you know let it grow, to get get it stable, and uh, also allow everyone to participate in the initial mining during the first eighteen months, and then if somebody finds it economically viable to develop an ASIC, then that's fine. That's fine with us because ASICs give some sense a little bit more security to the network. They are loyal, right? You can mm -hmm. switch your ASIC to a different protocol very easily, uh, which is the case with the GPU. And we're seeing the fluctuations happening together with the price movements immediately. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned just now that there is an upcoming hot fork in March. What are the, some of the changes that will be implemented in March? Yeah, in addition to the change in the mining protocol details, there will be probably, it really depends whether we are actually able to uh, manage to achieve all, all the milestones that we want to, but so the possibilities, let, let's talk about the possibilities for improvement. I'm not sure how many of them will be actually ready by then, but Lilantus support is one, confidential mm -hmm. assets is another one. 
we are also planning some improvements in the SBBS protocol, uh, which uh, allows for secure communication between wallets. And we are also rolling out web wallets with uh, some centralized but trustless service to support it. I think it will improve our adoption and integration capabilities in addition to giving users more options. And it will also be used by bridges to transfer assets from Ethereum to Beam. So all of these are also planned for, for the next four. It sounds very interesting. Yeah, I agree that having a web wallet would be a big point of improvement to increase adoptability because getting someone to download actual wallet and running a node is just a lot of effort. A web wallet will make it a lot more easier. I would say that one of Bitcoin's main uh, adoption curve in the past few years during its early days was blockchain.info's web wallet, which made it a lot easier for anyone who wants to run a web uh, Bitcoin wallet compared to running a uh, initially a Bitcoin called Node wallet or later on an Electrum SPV wallet. So I would say that web wallet would definitely do really well for you guys. So looking forward to that. Yeah, even today, our wallet, both desktop and mobile, can actually work with remote nodes using the Fly Client protocol. It was developed by Benedict Bunt and uh, we have implemented it. So you can run with a remote node even today, even though it's very easy to run your own node on the desktop, it's very compact due to the cut-through feature of Wimble. you don't have to download too much data. Mm-hmm. But yes, definitely a web wallet will improve adoption and integration capabilities, and we are really looking forward to that. Just to get an idea, like how much space do I need on my laptop if I were to run a Beam full node wallet? Like I know if you can't basically run a Bitcoin full node wallet on your laptop these days, it just takes a few hundred gigabytes. But what about Beam? I think it's about uh, three gigs today. Three gigs. All right. Or two. Actually, two. Yeah, two. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's important to note that uh, there is a difference between the amount that you have to store on your desktop and the amount that you have to actually download. The amount you have to actually download is much smaller because most of the space is taken by uh, indices in the database uh, to make uh, the operation faster. But I'm not sure about the exact numbers, but I think what you have to download is just a couple of hundred uh, megabytes. Cool. So let's Yeah, so today the node, uh, yeah, it's like less than 2.5 uh, gigs altogether. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty manageable even on a mobile device, need be. All right, let's, let's get to the question on the foundation. So. Beam was started out as a company and then a couple months, a few months ago, you guys transitioned to a Beam Foundation. So obviously as with a company, so I was going to ask like, how, how do you guys handle governance for the coin? How does decision making gets made in Beam? Is it like a traditional company where the CEO gets to make the final decision and if he somehow made a mistake, like the board of director can select a new CEO? Let's say, for example, like if Beam wants to change the total supply from 163 million to, let's say, 1 billion coins, like can you as a CEO make the decision unilaterally? Not anymore. So as the governance passed to the foundation, the decision-making is by equal voting of the foundation board. So there's no single person who can push any decision anymore, but rather a board uh, of directors that as I mentioned, will be expanded to include different people. By the way, the directors are not related to the original Beam team. Mm-hmm. So they are people from different industries that we kind of met Beam projects and we offered them to join the foundation board and they accepted. And the board will, will be expanding, maybe even changing with time. We don't know. So we have all the provisions in the foundation constitutions 
to add or remove directors as needed. So while before the foundation, the governance was, as you said, centralized with the CEO, with 14 making all the decisions internally, now it's more decentralized, probably not, still not enough, but, but much more decentralized than it was before. So now there's no single person who can make a dramatic decision like this. So how, how would it work now? Like they will, you are the CEO of Beam the company. What decisions do you get to make? And do you pose this to the foundation to be implemented onto the Beam protocol? Or how does it really work? So I think it's a joint work. So, so the core team, now the company is now switching to the core team and executive roles will be changing as well as we move forward. But it will be a joint work of the original team of the protocol you know, like Alex, CTO, who knows very well, obviously, how things work uh, on the inside. But the guidance and the strategy will be coming from the foundation. So the foundation will be determining or signing off the roadmap. And any important decisions, like like you mentioned, you know, changing, of course, it's not, not, not really something that's going to happen, but, you know, changing the, the emission or, or big things like that, they always need to be agreed upon by the foundation directly. So I guess you can say, sort of say that the foundation sets the strategic direction of how Beam is going to go ahead and Beam, the, the core team, the, which you run as a CEO, basically executes the strategy that has been decided by the foundation. Is that somewhat correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so all the strategic decisions are moving to the foundation. And the core team is more of a development arm mm-hmm. of the foundation. By the way, in the future, we don't really want it to be the the single, the only development arm. In the future, we want to attract more developers from all kinds of places to contribute. Yeah, I think that's definitely an interesting progression of how things go. But I guess, I mean, we'll see how it goes in five years' time. And the hard part is obviously trying to fund development, right? At this point in time, the first five years, there is the BIM treasury rewards, which go to the foundation, to investors, and, and I guess to the company itself, the core developers. But after five years, you'd be interesting to see how, how you guys handle this decision after this. Yeah, so again, the goal is that after five years, or during those five years, the foundation develops a much more decentralized and diverse system of developers. Okay, cool. So I've, I've got one question actually on this exchanges listing privacy coins. So in recent months, many exchanges have started to delist privacy coins due to pressure from regulators. Beam is one of the very lucky coins that have been listed on many exchanges. What is your take about this move by exchanges delisting privacy coins? And do you think it is the right thing for exchanges or for regulators to ban privacy coins in the first place? So first of all, frankly, I don't think it's really a, a, a trend or a movement. We've seen a couple exchanges in Korea with I think only one significant exchange delisting privacy coins. And the rumors I hear also from Korea that they kind of overreacted. So it was not like a demand from the government or anything like that. So actually today, I think it's we're talking about two or three exchanges, at least uh, from what I know. So it's not like a sweeping movement of all, uh, you know, all exchanges in the world. So, so there is certain concern, of course, but right now this concern is a little bit over-exaggerated. So it's not like uh, everybody is delisting privacy points. Now, let's imagine that it does start to happen. Mm-hmm. So, which again, probably very far, maybe will never happen, but if it does. So there are two approaches that we have to that. So first approach is developing an alternative system, an alternative decentralized exchange system. 
And we actually already made the first step into this direction. We just recently released our Atomic Swaps Marketplace, which is a fully decentralized system without any third parties involved, sorry, any, any centralized parties involved, where people can publish offers to buy and sell Beam for Bitcoin or Beam for Litecoin or Beam for Quantum Coin. They just publish their offers and uh, other people can take their offers and then an atomic swap happens between the two wallets and the values exchange exchange without any third party, without any counterparty risk, and also without anyone specific running the exchange. Now, this is just the first step. It's not a full-fledged exchange. There is a quite long way to get there, but we can get there. So this is one approach, just creating an alternative exchange. If exchanges don't or all of them stop trading privacy coins, then at least for Beam, we will be able to offer a fully decentralized experience and a fully decentralized ways to get in and out of the privacy point. This is number one. And number two is our opt-in auditability vision, which we've been talking about right from the beginning. And it's the idea that people who want to create a trace will be able to do so. And then it will create like subsystem inside Beam where users can show all their transaction history and pass any AML tests with any exchange if they, if they need to, but without really hurting privacy. So think of it as a middle ground between Bitcoin or Ethereum where everything is in the open and being today where everything is confidential. So the middle ground will be that I have my transaction history and I have my information and I can show it to a regulator if I want to, but only the regulator will be able to see that. So that's the, that's the middle ground. So, uh, so we can play with the regulation and let the users play with the, with the regulation by having this opt-in auditability, but we also can go without exchanges by offering this decentralized atomic uh, swap base. It's very interesting that you guys have thought about ways how you can go around doing things if, if exchanges start banning out of privacy coins. Very interesting answers from you. Let's move on to something more personal about both of you. Like, Perhaps you want to explain to us, how do you catch the crypto bug in the first place and what got you into the industry? Then later on, like what inspired you to start Beam? Okay, so, so I'll start with, with myself. So I was not part of the original team. I joined Beam a little bit later with the goal of you know, creating and, and, and running the company and uh, taking it to a place where it can eventually pass control to the foundation and you know, making good on all the promises and all the ideas. And I joined the industry because... I think the promise is really huge, okay? So, so here there is certain technology that promises to replace gold and replace money. And this technology has created a market of a couple of hundred billion dollars. And we know that gold is like nine trillion and money is whatever, 90 or 100 trillion. So, so this industry has a huge, huge potential to grow. And the technology is fascinating and the philosophy is also fascinating. So that's what brought me actually into, into this place and keeps me here. Yeah, so uh, for me, it was um, like I, I didn't know anything about blockchains or cryptocurrency before BIM. And I mean like absolutely nothing. So uh, the first coin I actually ever owned was BIM. I didn't even have a single Bitcoin or, or anything like that. And uh, Guy Korem, who is one of the foundation directors today, is an old friend of mine. He just called me and said, listen, we're, we're going to build the Nimble Wimble implementation. Would you like to participate in that? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? And that's how it started uh, in February 2018. 
And like a couple of weeks later, we had our core team assembled and we started working. So that's, that's how it was for me. But today, uh, I think the most fascinating thing for me is that blockchain and cryptocurrencies uh, specifically is unbelievable combination of technology, sociology, politics, and it's much more than just another product that I would have ever dreamt to develop. It's basically a combination of a movement. Uh, some people treat it as kind of a religion and some people treat it like new world order. So there is a lot of uh, really interesting theological uh, interactions uh, around this area. And I find that fascinating. So it's basically something that uh, we, I think we have never seen before. It's uh, something that uh, basically the first time in the history of humanity that uh, money became decentralized that way. I think it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, uh, thing happening around us, and I'm very glad to be part of that. I agree. Um, I mean, it's very interesting because the concept of money is being redefined and questioned every single day with this movement in crypto. Not just money, like even central bank money is being questioned and being developed on blockchain technology these days. So it's very interesting seeing how things have moved very rapidly in the past few years with blockchain technology. All right. So I guess one of the last questions I'd like to ask you is, if there's one thing that you would like to see in the crypto world, what would it be? I would say. Two things. One is more honesty, mm -hmm. and the other one is more uh, ease of use leading to adoption. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. Like, a lot of scammers are in this place, and it's still relatively quite hard to use any blockchain application in this day and age. Yeah, so that's why we're putting so much effort on making what we do usable. But still, you know, Beam is just one project and uh, I don't think we can solve all the problems of what we're doing. In terms of adoption, we're, we're working hard, but mm -hmm. all the industry needs to make to become easier to use and less scary, both technology-wise and scam-wise, right? Still, for a lot of people outside crypto, is very much associated with some hacks and scams and stuff like that. So this this will eventually change, but the sooner the better. And hopefully this year, or I mean, in twenty twenty, we'll make progress in the direction. All right, sounds good. So maybe one final one. If someone's interested to follow Beam, and if uh, where do you think? How can someone follow to learn more about Beam? So first of all, our website Beam very simple. MW stands for Mimblewimble. So just go to beam.mw and there you have links to our Telegram channel. Very, very active. Our Twitter feed, very active. Reddit, Discord, other platforms as well. There's a lot of information, a lot to learn. And the community is very helping. So every day people are asking all kinds of questions from basic ones to complex ones and, and they always get an answer. So just jump on any of our channels. Start with the website and find, find our channels there. Jump on one of the channels and, and you'll get all the information you need. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a great pleasure talking to both of you, Alexander uh, Delson, CEO of Beam, Mimo Wimbo, and Alex Romanov, CTO of Beam. Thanks, Bobby. It was really a, a really good talk. Great questions. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, that wraps up the show. Thank you very much for listening to the CoinGecko podcast with Bobby. If you like our show and want to know more, check out podcast.coingecko.com or please leave us a review on iTunes. If you have any feedback, do drop us an email at hello at coingecko.com. Join us for more next week. See ya!